0: Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 116 of the Sco Show. Proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Thursday, June 25th, 2020. Didn't have a Monday show. As you might have surmised by now, You know, absent sort of news-breaking situations, we'll kind of scale things back for the rest of the month of June, which is really just, you know, one more week or so. Maybe after the 4th of July, we'll get back into the usual routine of two shows a week. It's just, we're sort of really in that dead time right now, particularly with things getting, you know, closed up a bit around the country as we start to and continue to grapple with coronavirus, COVID-19. I um, hope all of you are doing your best to stay safe, wearing the masks, doing the social distancing whenever you need to because, you know, if you want to see face masks in the fall, you wear the PPE masks in the summertime. Wise man, wise women told me that one. What we're going to do today, we're going to talk some AFC West metrics that matter, then we're going to get a little bit into summer scouting. We're going to take a look at another quarterback, somebody I've did a great deal of work on over the past couple of days. You might have seen or even watched some stuff that I've done on him. Uh, more on that quarterback in a minute. But before we do that, your usual reminders here at the outset. Please do follow along with the hijinks, at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Check out the work working places inside the pylon. Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio, not one, not two, but... Three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and of course, right here at Pat's Pulpit, and at Touchdown Wire, where we're going to be cribbing from four pieces I've written over at Touchdown Wire for the first part of the show, continuing our Metrics That Matter series, looking at the AFC West now, and for those of you sort of getting caught up to speed here on Metrics That Matter, it's a series this summer over at Touchdown Wire where I take a look at one number or sometimes a cluster of numbers um, for each of the 32 teams, either something that they were bad at in 2019 why they need to get better at it, something they were bad at, and why they might be changing their offense, such as the case with the Philadelphia Eagles. And sometimes they go in a different direction. But we're going to do the AFC West teams. We're going to start with the Denver Broncos and... When you think about the Denver Broncos going into the 2020 season, you know, the name number that I think matters the most is intended air yards. And here's where I want to go with this. There are six quarterbacks that are looking to make that year two leap, right? Kyler Murray, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones, Gardner Minshew, and yes, Jared Stidham. Those are your sort of six year two quarterbacks that are going to be starters we expect in 2020 now with drew lock there's reason that he can make that sort of year two leap he started five games and over those five games completed 64.1 percent of his passes for over a thousand yards seven touchdowns three interceptions threw a touchdown pass in four of those five games the only game he didn't was against kansas city and he did not throw an interception in the final two weeks of the season. And then let's look at at what they did this offseason. They added Jerry Judy in the first round, taking advantage of his subtle slide in the draft. They added KJ Hamler in the second round, and that gives them Corton Sutton and Jerry Judy on the outside, KJ Hamler in the slot. They added Melvin Gordon, so now you've got Gordon and Philip Lindsay at the running back spot. Noah Fant looks like he could be the guy at the tight end position. But there's a bit of a concern with Locke. And that's the intended air yards number. Now, to be fair, when you look at intended air yards, there is a schematic component. You know, if you're a West Coast passer, most of your throws are going to be near the line of scrimmage. You know, Drew Brees is a prime example of that. A couple of years ago, I looked at every quarterback's throws, and 91% of Drew Brees' throws were within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. 91%. But people want to look at intended air yards because they can sort of highlight how aggressive a passer is or how conservative he is. And if you get too conservative, you're a lot easier to defend. Last year, Locke's intended air yards was 6.9, which was tied for sixth lowest in the league. His completed air yards, 4.6, which was tied for second lowest in the league. Now, some things could sort of work to help him this year. Pat Schumer coming over as the offensive coordinator. No, He turned Case Keenum into a, a marketable, attractive free agent acquisition. And a lot of what they did that season in Minnesota was throwing some deep shots off of play action. So you could see this number rise. But if we're going to be keeping an eye on Drew Locke and his potential year two leap, I'm going to be watching intended air yards. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Chargers, okay? Easy thing to look at is this. We know they're going to be starting a new quarterback, Phillip Rivers, now in Indianapolis. But one of the reasons, if you think back two years ago when the Chargers made that run to the playoffs, they upset Baltimore in the wildcard round and they lost to the Patriots, and it was one of those years where, look, they went 12-4, and they just missed out on the tiebreaker with the Kansas City Chiefs. And they slide to the fifth spot in the playoffs. A lot of people in the media were like, this is the year that they're finally going to break through. One of the reasons they were successful that year, on the offensive side of the ball at least, was how well Phillip Rivers played when he was pressured. That season, according to chart and data from Pro Football Focus, Rivers was pressured on 192 dropbacks, 12th most in the league. What did he do on those plays? He completed 90 of 156 passes for 1,218 yards and 8 touchdowns. Those yardage numbers, fifth most from a passer when pressured that year. He also had an adjusted completion percentage of 71.6 when pressured, fifth best in the league. But then last year happened. Last year he was pressured on 225 dropbacks. He completed 95 of 189 passes nine touchdowns, nine interceptions. His adjusted completion percentage came in at 65.3%, which was 10th in the league, but a drop from where he was in 2018. And sometimes when you see pressure numbers at a, regarding a quarterback, you think, oh, well, offensive line was, right? According to ESPN's past block win rate statistics, the Chargers' offensive line won their blocking assignments 45% of the time. That was good for her 11th best in the league. So it wasn't the offensive line. Rivers struggled. Here's why that matters. You're getting Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert, right? What does Tyrod Taylor do under pressure? Well, last time we really saw him, a full sample size at least, 2017. He led the Bills to the playoffs. He was pressured on 193 dropbacks. He completed 70 of 130 passes for 957 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That adjusted completion percentage of 65.2 when pressured, very close to what Rivers did last year, was 12th in the league. But then in 2018, when he was with Cleveland, he appeared in four games. He was pressured on 42 dropbacks, 7 of 24 for 58 yards, and adjusted completion percentage of 47.1. Not great. Now, Justin Herbert, PFF described him as increasingly volatile when pressured. Among 129 qualifying quarterbacks this season, I'm quoting from PFF, Herbert ranked 124th in negatively graded play rate under pressure. He had the 47th best accurate pass rate among 66 qualifying quarterbacks when pressured. They need to protect whomever it's going to be. With numbers like this. So that's why how the quarterback, whoever it is, handles pressure is huge for the Chargers. Let's talk Las Vegas here for a second. Defensive efficiency is massive for them. Last year, the Raiders defense struggled. They were 31st in defensive DVOA, defense adjusted value over average, with a defensive DVOA of 14.8%. Which was actually a step back from what they did in 2018 when they were 30th in the league in defensive DVOA. And a big culprit, pass defense. The Raiders posted a pass defense, a pass defense DVOA of 32, 30.2%, ranking them 20th in the league. And there are other stats that show you how bad they struggled defensively. They generated a pressure on opposing passers just 19.9% of the time, sixth lowest in the league. Opposing passers put up an adjusted net yards per attempt of 7.8 against the Raiders, which was the highest adjusted net yards per attempt allowed by a defense last year. For a point of reference, an a of 7.8 would place that generic Raiders opposition quarterback 7th in the league, which means, yes, the Raiders turned opposing passers into a top 10 quarterback. Now, what did they do to fix their defense? Nick Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton at the linebacker spots. Those are going to be huge. Particularly Corey Littleton. Why? The veteran linebacker might be the modern prototype at the position. Given his ability to cover in the passing game. They face Travis Kelsey twice. Noah Fant twice. Hunter Henry twice. You need a guy that can cover tight ends. Littleton might be that guy. They added Damon Arnett. In the first round, the Ohio State corner—a bit of a surprise, but a good zone coverage corner. Amik Robertson out of La Tech in the fourth round, feisty guy. Tanner Muse out of Clemson, a safety, and Brent Venables, three-one-seven defense, hybrid linebacker type. They put some effort and capital, both you know, free agents, cap space, and draft capital, into the defense It better pay out because they were bad defensively. Now, finally, the number that matters for the Kansas City Chiefs, and this one, frankly, it's pretty easy. It's 15. It's Patrick Mahomes, right? But the big picture way to look at this is his contract, right? He wants to apparently make something like 40 million a year. Uh, according to a report from Jason Lockett Four, and the team's planning to offer him a contract that would pay him at least 40 million a year. Is he worth it? Yes. Move on. Easy discussion. End of story. He's, the prototype of what you want today right rookie quarterback rookie deal build around him winner super bowl but eventually he's good enough to carry the team i think mahomes gets you there so those are some afc west metrics up next we're going to talk a little summer scouting quarterback that's getting a lot of buzz that is ahead on episode number 116 of the scout show Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 116 of the Sco Show and time for a little summer scouting and this is oddly enough sort of a back to the starting point moment for me and I'll elaborate on this a bit. I just did a show with Matt Waldman that's probably up by the time you listen to this episode up on his mattwaldmanrsp.com where we Did one of our usual film room things, about an hour and 15 minutes or so where we break down plays, we discuss plays, we chop it up, we talk about some other stuff. And it was a coming home event for me because those of you, if you've been along for the ride, you know probably one of my big breaks was doing my first show with Matt. My first show with him was on a summer August night at 10 p.m. at night. I remember... That was the first time I was like legitimately worried and nervous about whether this new venture of mine was gonna work, right? You know, get it on with Matt Waldman, which was a huge break for me. Um I remember I <laughs> I've never told Matt this story. I went like in the moments before 10 PM hit, I went downstairs. We were, I was I had myself set up in the dining room and I went downstairs. I was calming myself down. and I, I was like, okay, I got five minutes left. I did a shot of vodka. I was that nervous because I thought if I crash and burn, like, you know, I needed to get this done. I needed to do a good job. And Matt and I hit it off instantly. Um, and I remember, you know, the next day reading the write-up that he put together on the RSP about the video, talked about, you know, how good I was and all that stuff. I was like, okay, I can do this. Like that was like one of those first, I can actually do this well kind of moments. Um, and the quarterback we studied that night was Carson Wentz. And it was interesting because not too many people really knew who Carson Wentz was. Like real, like this was back 2015 for the 2016 draft. Um, even though draft Twitter, yeah, was a thing. um it wasn't to the extent that it is now. And, like, the real hardcore people. Like, I remember talking about once with Charles McDonald, who's now at New York Daily News. And Derek Clausen who's done stuff at Roto World recently and Football Outsiders, you know. But he wasn't, like, a household name. And I remember the the day, that work day, like, Friday afternoon, I, I was on Twitter, and Dan Brugler, I think, or Daniel Jeremiah, one or the other, they said, hey, you know, there's, there's a game tomorrow. North Dakota State, Montana, ESPN's got it. Brett Musburger's going to be on the call, and this Wentz guy guy's pretty good. And I sent that to Matt. I'm like, wow, people are starting to talk about him. And Matt put up a tweet about him and I doing a show on him that night. And I remember my notifications just exploded, and that was the first time something like that had ever happened. It was just, that was an incredible moment, incredible experience, that whole thing. And now, years later, to get back with Matt to do a show about a North Dakota State quarterback again was kind of a whole like thing for me, and I included in the video we did together on Trey Lance a play, partly to talk about the journey of Carson Wentz to now. And what's fascinating about Trey Lance is he's a rising redshirt sophomore, whereas Wentz was a senior. You know now. The junior year was the first year that he had started. He was, you know, replacing Brock Jensen, who was a legend at NDSU. Um, Trey Lance, last year was his first year as a starter, replacing a legend in Easton Stick. But he's a household name, Trey Lance. Now, Wentz not so much. Lance, Mel you know, Kuyper's talking about him. Everybody's talking about this kid as a potential like first round pick if he comes out. Now, is the hype warranted? Absolutely. You can watch the video I did with Matt. You can read a piece I did on him over a Touchdown Wire, which went up on Wednesday afternoon. The kid's legit. I mean, he's absolutely legit. Now, there are two scouting axioms, scouting truisms that he is going to test. Those two are this. First, scout the traits, not the scheme. He is in a very quarterback-friendly offense offense a lot of half-field reads, a lot of mirrored passing concepts, a lot of play action, a lot of throwing out of 12 and 21. I think you could drop him into San Francisco's offense and he'd be right at home. But it's very quarterback friendly. You will have to sort of look, but you will find instances of him working through reads, working through progressions, diagnosing, rotating safeties and things like that. So he checks a lot of the boxes, but he is going to put stress on the scout the traits, not the scheme axiom. That's the first one. The second one is scout the player, not the helmet. Now, he gets a benefit that once, and to a certain extent, Easton Stick opened the door for him, right? And some other NDSU players have made it into the league. But... When it was Wentz, people were like, "Look, he's playing nobody." FCS people were calling it. One of my pet peeves is when people call FCS Division Two. No, it's not Division Two. So people think he plays nobody. Dan Happen once told me, and this was when we were talking about Wentz. You know, whenever people talk about, oh, he's not playing tough competition, it's just the players that we see on the field that people think, oh, that's lower level of competition. Don't forget there's a defensive coordinator who's getting paid money to stop the kid. So that's one thing to remember. You know, the other thing to remember is yes, he does get the benefit of having talent around him. You know, Wentz, there were times when he was, he didn't have to move off his first read because he knew it was going to be open. You know, and Lance is going to have moments like that and has moments like that on film but you still want to focus on him as a player, Trey Lance, and not NDSU, FCS, Division II, whatever you want to call that level of football. But you want to see him dominate at times. And a guy that throws 28 touchdowns with zero interceptions as a redshirt freshman, that's dominant. Uh, Particularly when he adds another 1,100 yards, rushing and 14 touchdowns, that's dominant. The first sort of rookie to win the Oliver Payton award is the offensive player of the year at the FCS level, that's dominant. You see some of the plays that Matt and I highlighted, that I highlighted in the USA Today article, of him running guys over, of guys with a free shot, and he's just shrugging them off. That's dominant. You want to know how dominant this kid is? You know, everybody listening to the show knows that I think the world of Matt Walden, one of the best people out there, one of the smartest football minds out there, He sent me a text before we did this show of the comp he has for him. And he unveiled it on the show. It's Steve McNair. And if you're old enough to remember Steve McNair at Alcorn State, you know dominance at the quarterback position. He was something different. Like, McNair at Alcorn State was something that, you know, you rarely see. Somebody that much better, like head and shoulders better than everybody else, like doing things, making throws, rolling to his left, like jump throws with violent velocity. Lance has that in him. You know, you look at some of the reads and the throws and the progressions and all that stuff, and he checks so many boxes, but just all the like cliche sc- You know, scouting terms you look for, like pocket awareness and processing speed and all the stuff we get hung up on every February and March and April of every year. Strip that away and just who is Trey Lance, the football player? He's dominant. He's dominant. And I am, you know, Matt and I talked about this in the video that we did together. I am so excited to see him, to see, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, who Matt and I are going to do a little bit later this summer. Um, Kyle Trask, Jamie Newman, KJ Costello. um, Kane, the kid down at Houston, now Miami. This has the potential to be a special quarterback class. A special quarterback class. And so that little reminder I had at the outset about Wearing a mask now so we can see face masks in the fall. Please do it so we can see these guys. But Trey Lance is legitimate. And I want to leave you with this. And it's a weird sort of analogy, but bear with me here for a second. He made a throw. I highlighted it a little bit in the video. I highlighted it again in the piece I did at USA Today that reminded me in one sense of Marcus Mariota, right? It's a ridiculous anticipation throw made well before the break and he takes a little off of it because he knows he's getting it out well before the receiver makes his cut. And in one sense, it reminded me of a Mari- Mariota play from last year. In another sense, it reminded me of, a, you know, Patrick Mahomes throw when he was at Texas Tech when he was lobbing a little something. And, you know, because he was trying to throw an out route and it was kind of covered, but he's like, I can kind of like, Cheekily fitted over the Defender. And my mind flashed to that Scrubs podcast I've been telling you people about. I told you people about last week, right? I was listening to an episode recently where they had Johnny C. John C. McGinley on. Obviously, Dr. Cox on the show, but, you know, tremendous character actor. You know, office space, platoon. You know, basically been in everything. To the point where both Bill Lawrence, the creator of Scrubs, and then John C. McGinley himself... You know, reiterated this story when they created Scrubs, the role of Dr. Cox was written for a John C. McGinley type actor. Like, they literally put that in quotes, like, we want a John C. McGinley type guy. And Bill Lawrence was like, let's just get John C. McGinley, right? You know, just Guy Screams character actor. And when they had John C McGinley on this episode, I was just listening to Zach Braff and Donald Faison were talking about how at the end of the show, like the seasons like six, seven, and eight, you know, they really loved it when John C McGinley, Doctor Cox, would, you know, have these moments where he would like really draw out like words, you know, where he would say like I'm if he was gonna say I'm really upset with you I'm I am re- he 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 really he- 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 upset with you. And they were like, that was so good. That was so great for Dr. Cox. It just fits so well. And John C. McGinn was like, I was bored. He's like, I was so bored of playing Dr. Cox that I wanted to try something new. And when I saw that throw from Trey Lance, I'm like, I don't want him to get bored. I don't want him to get bored at NDSU. Now, he might not, like, this might be a weird confluence of me listening to a podcast and trying to tie it in with what I do professionally, whatever, that's my fear in a weird sense Because I feel like Mahomes at Texas Tech at times knew Like, I look, I'm, I can do things This is easy I'm going to challenge myself And do some different things Because I'm kind of getting a little bored You know? And I can almost see Not that he's doing it now But I can see potentially So that's something that's going to be in the back of my mind That's something that I hope to be able to watch for in the fall Wear the masks, please Anyway That's my quick introduction, or maybe not so quick, to Trey Lance. The guys legit, watch the video I did with Matt. Read the piece over at USA Today for more on him. You'll see some of the plays I'm talking about, some of the stuff I'm talking about. This kid could be special. I wish he'd stop running people over. Save yourself. Don't get hurt. We want to see you playing for a long time, Trey. Um, But he is a fantastic talent to watch. That will do it for show 116. Show 117 will be sometime next week. Until then, friends, stay safe. Stay safe, wash your hands, social distance as much as you can, as much as humanly possible. Check in on your loved ones, and we wash those hands. Sin along and bless those Patriots' reigns down in Foxville.